Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Hey, as the service goes along, we're getting better at this. This is good. Excellent. Uh, For those joining us online, a special welcome to you from wherever you happen to be joining us from in the world today for Resurrection Sunday. This is the day that we've been looking forward to. As Matt mentioned, we've been walking through a number of things over this Holy Week, from Palm Sunday to Good Friday to Holy Saturday to now together Easter Sunday morning here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, no matter where you are in the midst of your questions and wondering, I want to tell you that Stony Plain Alliance Church is the right place for you. We're a church that is seeking fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. If you choose to hang out here as as part of this church, you're going to hear about Jesus a lot because he is the source of our hope and peace. He is the one that has taught us about love, and we're just the kind of church that just can't get too excited about Jesus. And so if you want to be part of this community, know that you're welcome. For those visiting, please, would love to have you part of this church as we journey into Jesus together. You know, you don't have to live very long in this world to learn that good news rarely comes out of a graveyard. You don't have to live very long to know that's a pretty rare occurrence. But on the day that brings us all together into this place, that's precisely what happened. Because against all odds, good news burst forth from a sealed tomb and Jesus of Nazareth is resurrected from the dead. And the impact of his resurrection is still being felt and experienced in lives and in rooms like this all over the world still today. And sometimes we need to remember and reflect on that a little bit. And to help us remember, for some of us to celebrate, and maybe even to help some of us reorient our lives a little bit this Easter, I want to focus our attention for the message today on three brief conversations, three phrases that Jesus had with people shortly after the miracle of his resurrection. Each of these conversations can kind of be reduced down into a single statement and I, that I think carries much meaning and power to us today as they did when Jesus first spoke them. So the three phrases you're going to hear that happened after the resurrection that Jesus gave to people as a gift. It's part of the gift we give to you today. Here's the first one. This first statement happened as two women, both named Mary, had decided to visit the tomb of Jesus. They were in deep grief. They were in deep mourning. They'd come to anoint. They'd come to pray. They'd come to do who knows what just to try to be close to the body of Jesus. These Marys had walked with Jesus throughout his ministry. They'd provided for him. They'd been a source of comfort and support for him. And Jesus had been the source of love for them. And now they come to the tomb, believing him to be there, as anyone would, as someone who has died and been placed in a tomb, They're just coming to see that Jesus is there. And as they approach the place where he'd been buried, an angel appears and announces to them that Jesus has actually risen from the dead. And shocked and terrified and probably overjoyed, these women take off running and they tell other disciples about what they've been told. And as they're rushing along, Jesus meets them on the road and speaks these words to them. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Matthew 28, 10. Do not be afraid. Now, what adds kind of extra punch to this command is that this is not the first time that Jesus had challenged his followers to resist the grip of fear. You know, I think, and I've looked, I've studied a little bit over the past little while, and I think I could build a pretty good case that one of the major objectives in Jesus' three-year teaching ministry 
was to help his followers conquer the tyrannizing power of fear. He just keeps saying it over and over again. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I don't have to spend much time convincing some of us here today how destructive and immobilizing fear can be. Most of us know exactly what that feels like. Because fear is a powerful force when we give it power in our lives. And it's really very real to so many of us. And you wouldn't know it from the calm, polished exteriors that most of us show up with into a crowd like this on a Sunday morning. But if the truth were known today, many of us in this place and joining us online are well acquainted with the suffocating effects of fear. Some among us today are feeling the tourniquet of financial pressure twisting tighter and tighter around us, and we're really scared. I read an article this week that over a third of Canadians are one unexpected expense away from total bankruptcy and insolvency. And the grip of financial pressure and the fear about the future starts to take hold. Some of us are living with a physical or a health-related fear. We don't know what's to come. There's a doctor's appointment on the way, and we're not sure what the doctor's going to say. Or we've been to the doctor, and the diagnosis isn't looking very good. And we lay there at night having a staring contest with the ceiling about how it's going to go for us in the coming days, and we feel afraid. There are at least a few of us here that are plagued by the fear of failure, or of disappointing people, or maybe of having our image tarnished in some way. Others live with the aching fear that they might have to live alone for the rest of their lives. And still others are tormented by the fear of dying because they know deep down they're not at peace with God in their relationship and their walk with Him. Now fear is every bit as real for us today as it was in the day of the disciples. And we can all relate to those pulse-quickening, stomach-turning stabs of terror that strike unannounced and leave us gasping for breath. And yet on the very first Easter... Jesus has the courage and audacity to say with all the authority of heaven and earth, fear not. It's okay. You don't have to be afraid. Look at me, Jesus says. As he says to the Marys, as he says to us, look at me, he says, I'm back. I've returned from the grave for real. Three years I've challenged you to believe in me and to believe in my love for you for three years. I've asked you to choose faith over fear. And I've told you that I will help you. I've challenged you to throw off the heavy chains of fear that bind you. And now today, as you see for yourselves, the unmistakable example of the power of God, I want you to realize once and for all that the very same power, Jesus says, that brought me back from the grave is now available to each and every single one of you. So fear not. That Easter, this Easter, the resurrected Jesus is saying, listen, people, listen, my friends, listen. You don't have to cave into every fearful thought that enters your head anymore. You don't have to cave into it. You don't have to manufacture these elaborate horror stories about your future and then write yourself into the story as the hopeless victim. We don't have to be people that are dress rehearsing tragedy and always expecting the worst. You don't have to live constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's a better way to live. Jesus, because of his resurrection, has given us the choice to choose faith over fear. And honestly, friends, it's a much better way to live. To live by faith instead of fear. You know, you can believe the best about the kind of future a loving God would have for you. To trust that when he says that he's good, and has good in mind for you, that even when there's suffering, and even when there's difficulty, and even when there's unexpected things that come, 
that underneath it, there's the power of God at work sustaining you, that you don't have to face this life alone. And that even when all those things can go wrong and fall apart, you can know a strength on the inside because Jesus is alive and he says, I will live in you. And the most fearless being in the universe who's never been afraid of anything will literally take up residence in your life and say, now follow me and I will show you a better way to live. We can believe the best about the kind of future a loving God would want for us, but please, Jesus says, don't settle for a life tyrannized by fear. Because really, it's not much of a life. Don't be afraid, Jesus said that first Easter. And I wonder how many of us just need to access resurrection power in order to turn fear into faith into a, in a specific area of our lives today. So that you can walk out of here this morning or from wherever you are online, get out of bed in a few moments if you're watching from laying down, uh, as some do. You can go out of this place this morning liberated from the tyrannizing power of fear. You know, if Jesus had stayed dead, I mean, if the resurrection never happened, we would have so much to fear, and there would really be not much hope at all. But what are we celebrating today? We're celebrating an empty tomb. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive, and that truth literally changes everything in our day-to-day -day lives as we follow him. The second command is recorded in the Gospels, and many of you might remember this occasion. This is the second statement. One of Jesus' 12 followers, a guy named Thomas, he had been absent when Jesus first appeared after Jesus was resurrected. It's poor Thomas. You know, a church meeting gets called, and he's like, why would I go to a church meeting, right? And it's the one that Jesus showed up at and stands there among his disciples. And so Thomas is a little put off by the fact that the committee got together and he wasn't there, which I understand. I get that feeling. So Jesus first appeared after he was resurrected, and all the other disciples gather up and they tell Thomas about what they had seen. And with supercharged language, they talk about Jesus coming in the room and appearing to them. And you can imagine Thomas just being like sick to his stomach. Like of all the meetings to miss, I miss this one. And finally, he says to the other disciples, okay, stop it. Enough. What do you take me for, an idiot? You can fantasize all you want about a resurrection, but it looks like I've already blown three years of my life following someone who amounted to nothing. And I'm not going to waste one more day on anything associated with this person named Jesus. It's over. He's dead. Time to mourn and grieve. Move on. Don't you get it? Let it go. And then in total frustration, Thomas blurts out, I would have to push my finger into the wounds in his hands and feet and stick my arm into his side up to my elbow before I would ever believe in a resurrection. That's what it'll take. Shortly after this bold declaration of Thomas, a group of people again were gathered in a room, praying and wondering about the way of Jesus. And all of a sudden again, Jesus appears to them. Out of nowhere, he's standing among them. And it became obvious to everyone that he wasn't there just to hang out and have tea. Jesus had a particular mission in mind. And he was looking around the room at each of the people, one at a time. It's like he's trying to find somebody. Who am I looking for? And he locks eyes with Thomas. Imagine that moment for Thomas. It's like, oh man, I hope you didn't hear what I said before. Because the room is deadly quiet and everyone hears Jesus say to Thomas, hey uh, Thomas, uh, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Maybe not up to your elbow, but reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus says, hey Thomas, come here and investigate for yourself. 
Jesus says, consider the evidence. Touch me. He doesn't say, Thomas, beat it or drop dead or get out. He invites him close and says, Thomas, come on. Find out for yourself if I'm really here. And those words communicated volumes about the character of Jesus Christ. Thomas and the other disciples learned a lot about Jesus that day. And I'm hoping many of you will learn something about Jesus today, namely that Jesus is not the least bit afraid or angry about your questions or doubts that you're you're holding in your heart today. In fact, he actually warmly invites any and all who have questions about him to come and to seek and to ask and to touch. Jesus actually wants to clear up the haze that you may have about him in your life. Now that ought to be pretty good news to some of us who've joined here together for Easter, this Easter service. Particularly if you've come here with way more questions than answers and with a lot more doubt than faith or belief. I think the resurrected Jesus has a word for you today. If you're more sitting in church like this going, "Uh uh-huh, sure, what about all this stuff? I think Jesus is saying, why don't you investigate? Why not instead of avoiding your doubts, why don't you speak your doubts? Why don't you bring your questions? Don't discount them or deny them or run away from them or bury them. Why don't you ask your questions and then do your homework? Consider the evidence. Don't just believe the hype. Sure, read the Bible. Read history. Look at the facts. Listen to people who've devoted their lives to determine if Jesus is really real or whether it's all just a religious conspiracy. Feel free to check it all out, the resurrected Jesus says, but, and I think this is so important, he's inviting you to investigate, but here's the thing. Once you've checked out, Once you've stepped in and and experienced for yourself if Jesus is real or not, you've done your homework and you consider all the evidence, then I'm going to ask you to act honorably. That if you ask for an experience of Jesus and he shows you, if you want to step in and discover for yourself about the claims of Christ and something emerges as truth, then act honorably. Don't lie to yourself about your findings. Why not this? Make a high-integrity decision once you've done your homework. Do the right thing in responding to Jesus when he's responded to you. Because this is what Thomas did. Thomas weighs the immediate evidence of the resurrected Jesus before him. He fell to his knees and said, My Lord and my God, I believe you. I believe you. And I would urge all of you with questions and doubts to do exactly what Thomas did. Look into the evidence of the claims of Christ and ask for an experience of his presence. Move beyond just social media searches about Jesus. Try stepping into community and finding out if Jesus can be found there. And start your own search. But you know what? It honestly takes some stepping in. I've talked to a number of people who kind of sit passively. And they're like, well, if Jesus is real, if Jesus is resurrected, I'm just going to stand back here and he needs to do something for me to prove himself. Well, what about this? If this is so critical to you, if you really want to know about this Jesus, why don't you make the decision to step in and try? And if at any point Jesus is a liar or Jesus is a fraud or anything about him is not good, then full permission to back away and walk away forever. But if Jesus proves himself to you, as he's done to me, because I was one of these skeptics. I grew up in a Christian home. And I believed all sorts of things for a while as a kid, but as I got older in life, I started to be skeptical and cynical about everything. Mostly because I didn't actually want to live my life in a way where someone else was Lord. 
And so the way to get around having Jesus as the leader of my life and have me as the leader of my life was just to discount and be cynical and sarcastic about all the things of Jesus. And how it didn't line up with fact or reality. But there came moments when I stepped in where I sensed the invitation of Jesus to look a little deeper. And friends, more than just kind of head knowledge about who Jesus is and how, who he was as a historical figure, my testimony is that in a number of occasions, I experienced the risen Christ. I experienced Jesus for myself. Saw him do miracles in ways that I can't explain. And I've said to people before, if, we, if I unfolded the stories for you and told you how I've experienced Jesus, and how many of you have experienced Jesus, and I put this to people, I said, if you can come up with an alternative explanation that's better than Jesus did this or Jesus showed up, I'm willing to listen. But with all of my heart, what I have to confess today is that there are certain things in life and certain experiences where it's undeniably Jesus and you know it's him. And you just know it's him. So I would urge all of you with questions and doubts to do what Thomas did. Step in and investigate. How many of you need to hear an invitation like that from the risen Jesus on this Easter morning? How many of us are just spouting off party lines that you've heard other people say and you've never really dug into the person of Jesus for yourself to come to an honorable conclusion of your own so that you can have strong convictions one way or another about the truth of Jesus? I think there's some of us here have been probably in a deconstructing journey. It's a popular term these days. Maybe you grew up like me, surrounded by church, surrounded by faith and everything else, but things happened in life. And you decided that you were going to kind of strip it all down, deconstruct and throw it all away. And in the course of that, cynicism, sarcasm, and everything else has started to come up in your life. And you're done with the church. And I get it. Churches are full of broken people. The church is immediately broken as soon as I show up because I'm the most broken person I know. It's full of people that make mistakes and churches do make mistakes and have done great harm. But you have to ask yourself, has Jesus done great harm? No, he never has. And so for some of you who are walking through kind of a deconstruction journey and wondering, okay, what's the real idea? Can I encourage you, don't throw Jesus out with all of the bad experiences you've had with Christians or churches and say, what if the reality of Jesus is more beautiful and wonderful and miraculous than I can even explain? Would you give Jesus a chance to show himself to you? Now, my suggestion is that you take the time between this Easter and next Easter to bring your doubts into the light and be an honest investigator. And you can join us regularly here at Stony Plain Alliance Church because we do this all the time. We ask questions, we dig into conversations, and we try to set fear aside and do the most loving thing. And for some of you, this is an announcement for you, we're open more than just Christmas and Easter. 52 weekends a year, we're here. So you can come join us. We're on every Sunday at 10 a.m. I would love to see you here. But for those of you that are starting a search, know this. The resurrected Christ is not afraid of your investigation. He welcomes it. He invites you to check him out. So don't be afraid. Investigate. And here's our last statement for us today. It came from a conversation that Jesus had just before his ascension when he looked with earnestness in the eyes of his followers and he said, it's time to go. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And as you are going, make disciples, make followers, apprentices of mine of all nations. And so Jesus says, it's time to go out. Go out into the world and spread the news 
that because I'm alive and have victory over sin and death, you know what can happen? Moral failures can be made right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Repentant sinners can find forgiveness. The shame and guilt can be removed. Alienated men and women can be reconciled to God and start walking in good fellowship. Jesus says, go out, and as you go out, you start spreading the news of the resurrected Jesus. And Jesus said, and people will respond. They will. We are desperate for a message of hope in this world. If you're willing to go out, Jesus says, people will respond. And then you will be doing your part in bringing about the renewal of the whole world. As you can imagine, the eyes of Jesus' followers are probably like dinner plates. They're like, what? Lord, worldwide renewal through the likes of us? I mean, that's big. That's a massive vision. I mean, what a challenge. That might be actually worth getting out of bed for every morning. God, you would use us for something like that? And I want to tell you, friends, every single person here that's joining us for this service is wired up by God to resonate with the challenge to bring redemptive change to the world. It's why you watch things and encounter things and know it's not right. You are wired up by God to bring redemptive change to the world. It's when a love-starved person is introduced to the love of God for the first time. It's when a lonely person finally experiences the richness of companionship with Christ and his community. It's when a shame-filled, guilty person finally finds forgiveness. It's when a wandering person finally finds a purpose for their life. It's so big and it creates transformation in the life of that person that's undeniable. And then this powerful chain reaction gets set in motion. I've seen it so many times. That transformed person begins to influence some other people in the spheres of relationship in their life. And parents start to influence their children differently. And friends start to tell friends about an encounter with Jesus. Co-workers share with their colleagues in appropriate times and ways, in winsome ways, about what it means to be filled with a life that's full of meaning. And little communities of Christ followers get formed all over the world. And out of those little communities of story, the people following Jesus into fullness of life, churches get established. And ministries are launched that really, truly help people. And pretty soon, change starts breaking out all over the place. The poor get cared for. The hungry get fed. The sick get visited. The lonely get loved. People get served. Wounded start, the wounded start to become whole. And before you know it, a little corner of the world starts to transform and the darkness gets pushed back as the light and the justice of God rolls in like a river. But that chain reaction has to be initiated by someone who is willing to go out. Someone who's willing to step out of the shadows and respond to the invitation of Christ. Someone willing to say a word for the risen Jesus in a lost and confused world. In a very real way, worldwide change hinges on these two words that Jesus gives us. Friends, it's time to go. We've got to move out of our religious enclaves. We've got to move into the world of need with a message of hope and love. Not a message of condemnation and judgment. A message of redemption that says it doesn't have to be this dark. Let's let the light come on. You know, I had a feeling this week that so many of us needed to come this morning, maybe just to hear the resurrected Jesus say to you again, it's time to get going. I'm releasing you for ministry. Don't settle for spending the rest of your life settling for something lesser than the mission of God. There's something more important to be done on the planet than just making a living, buying trinkets and toys, and then going to bed at night after binge-watching Netflix. You know, with the help of God and an authentic faith, 
with courage to go out. Every single person here can be that someone who sets in motion a chain reaction that will change the corner of your world. But some of you this morning need to say, okay, this is the day. I'm done being an observer of the kingdom of God. I want to be a participant in the renewal of things for justice to reign and light and love and mercy and goodness to start pushing back the darkness. So this is the day when I plant my feet and say, Jesus, with your help, I will go out. I will. In my corner of my world, with your help, I'll start the chain reaction because you're alive and I want everyone in my life to know that you love them, Jesus. So what's a higher calling than that? What would give you a greater sense of fulfillment than being part of a movement that ends up being used by God to transform lives? It's what we're all about here at this church, fullness of life for everyone, by being about the way of Jesus, by practicing the way of Jesus together. Three statements from our resurrected Savior. Because he's alive, don't be afraid. You can investigate. And friends, it's time to go out and make a difference in the world for good because Jesus is giving us the call and the power to do so. I'm going to call our worship team up as close this part of the service. And I don't know which one of those statements you needed to hear today, but I'll bet most of us needed to hear at least one of them. Maybe you just need to hang on to the idea today that Jesus says to you, you don't have to be afraid, fear not. And you need resurrection power today to turn fear into faith in a particular area of your life. We're going to ask Jesus for that in just a moment. So maybe the statement you're hanging on to today is, don't be afraid. Maybe you needed to hear the invitation to investigate the claims of Jesus honestly. Maybe you needed to be challenged to mark today as the starting point when you're going to be honest about your doubts and then weigh the evidence, weigh the experiences, and then act honorably towards Christ with the outcome that you discover. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you in a moment about your journey. Maybe you need to hear this, go out, and it's just time to move into the invitation that you've sensed the Jesus giving to your heart about who to serve, who to bring justice to, who to love, who to encourage, who to be hospitable toward, and in just simply doing what Jesus has asked you to do in blessing another, the world starts to change just a little bit. Whatever, else, whatever it is, this can be your day to follow the risen Christ and make this an Easter to remember. Today we look back at an empty tomb and declare with all of our hearts that because of Jesus being alive today, we have nothing to fear. We can believe and be set free from sin and that we have the greatest news to share with a world that is in desperate need of hope. Church, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Let's stand and allow me to pray over us. Father, we come before you today as the one who holds power over sin and death. And then there's nothing, no obstacle too great to keep us from experiencing your love and freedom today. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for all those who are being tyrannized by fear, I say in the name of Jesus, be free. In the words of Christ, he says, do not be afraid which is way more than willpower, just about choosing another way. It's leaning into Jesus and saying, Jesus, I renounce fear, and I want to live by faith. And so grow in me that faith. And I bless you, friends who are tyrannized by fear, freedom in Jesus' name. For those wondering if you can investigate, hear the invitation of Jesus to come and see, come and taste, come and touch, and see that he is good.
It's okay to begin the journey, and we as a church will be with you. Judgment-free. Start where you start, and let's start making our way towards Jesus. And then for those of you who are needing the invitation to go out in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, I commission all across this room and to those joining us online, those who need a commissioning, here it is. In the name of Father, Son, and Spirit, I commission you to ministry, a ministry of blessing to everyone around you, to speak a word for the risen Christ and see a chain reaction of hope and love and goodness and light start to break into the neighborhoods, the families, the schools, the businesses of the places all around us. And we as your church, Jesus, will continue to pursue fullness of life by practicing your way. And we'll do it together for your glory. God, it's time for the world to change and we want to do our part. So we follow you, our risen Jesus, the one who has victory over it all. And all God's people together said, amen. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.